Amen. Most of the time, I really like living in the 21st century. <laughs> it's a blessing. Sometimes I don't like living in the 21st century when I feel like things are too busy or things are too complex. It's just unbelievable what it takes to just live life these days. There's so many things going on. Actually, maybe you could help me out right now so I can know the crowd I'm dealing with. Can you just give me a thumbs up or thumbs down? Living the 21st century. Where are you? Great. So-so. Real negative. (laughs) Okay. Okay, wow. We are totally mixed here. I'm going to have to change tactics. All right. (laughs) Well, one of the things that I really enjoy about living the 21st century, and for that matter, I was born in the 20th, believe it or not, is this right here. You know what that is? That's a furnace. And when it's two degrees outside, and I step into my house, and I realize that just across the window pane, it's like 60 degrees less outside, I get really, really thankful for my furnace. (laughs) It's just the best. But actually, a couple of times, actually only once this season, but several times last winter, our furnace stopped working. Can I tell you how I knew? I knew... Because I kept edging up that thermometer, or the uh, thermostat, excuse me. I kept edging that up. And, you know, when you're, like, in the 80s, and still it's, like, 55 in the house. Everyone's got their, you know, kids got their booties on, and we're wrapped up in blankets. That's when I, you know, the light bulb went off for me. Maybe this thing isn't working. So I dare to go down into that, that place, the basement. And I go check out, we have gas. And so I go check that out. I open up the little panel. And, you know, I dust off the directions that are over there, and I see, ah, there is nothing going on down there. There's no fire, and the worst of all, there's no pilot light. That's the key to this thing is, in a gas furnace, is the pilot light that you need to come on. And so I, you know, with all my manly bravado, <clears throat> again, dust off the direction. Hey, that was a lot of laughter. I, <laughs> I uh, get down there, dust off the directions, you know, I've opened the thing, I, you know, that knob that... You have to press in, and it says on, off, and pilot, and it's never quite lined up. And plus, it's upside down, so you're trying to like, okay, I forgot my little lighter. Go back up to the kitchen, find the lighter. You know, our lighter has legs because we have candles in every room. So where's the lighter? We find that. Go back downstairs and uh, turn on that pilot light. You know, click. It goes on. I say, yes. Go back upstairs because, you know, I, I have turned it back down to whatever, 58, and I turn it back up to like 63. <laughs> Fire goes on. I say, yes, we're doing good. So the furnace exists for one great purpose, right? To heat the home. And so I want to say for the church, the church exists probably for several purposes. But for our purposes today, I'll say one of the main reasons the church exists is to host the presence and the glory of God. Right? When we talked last fall, we looked at Ephesians. And Paul says this. Paul said, in him... Ephesians 2.22, you also, us, were being built together into a dwelling place for God. God designed the church to be the place where he puts his fire, where he dwells. And Jesus, who came to dwell, he was, he was God in the flesh. And God, John's gospel says that he came and tabernacled with us. And when he came and dwelled and dwelt and tabernacled with us, it was pretty good, wasn't it? I mean, people wanted to be where Jesus was. There was fire in his presence. People broke open roofs to let their friend down so he could get healed. When Jesus was in the house, it was wonderful. People got healed. People got delivered from lifelong oppressions. 
They got encouraged. They got good news saying, you're included in the kingdom. People got joyful. That very bolt cutter scene that we just talked about a second ago, that was happening every time Jesus was in the house. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus, he's not like a lot of the other people in your life who want to control you because they're afraid. Jesus was the opposite. He said, you know what? I don't even want to have, I don't want to have the corner on this miracle market. Jesus said, I, he said in John's gospel again, greater things than this are you guys going to do? And we have a record of it shortly after. Jesus takes, is taken up to heaven. We have this account. First, a crazy thing happens. People start speaking languages they didn't learn in school. Giving glory to God. A really scared man preached with great effect. His name was Peter. Remember, he was, he was shaking in his boots when Jesus was getting crucified. And now, Peter comes up and with great effect preaches the gospel. That's a powerful change, isn't it? What else happens? A lame beggar gets healed. That's just the first three chapters of Acts. And man, in the last 2,000 years of history, the people of God have continued to see God show up in powerful, wonderful, beautiful ways. So I bring this up because where I'm headed today is I think we need some fire back. I, need, I think we need to light the pilot light again. You know, my question, I say it for me. I say us. My questions are, Are we seeing the power and the presence of God in our midst? Is he walking with us? You know, are your coworkers so touched by the peace and the joy of the Lord in you that they wonder what's going on? Are we getting free from that, those life, uh, life dominating bondages that we're even going to look at it in this group conquer. And when we pray for the sick, do they get healed? I know there's a whole, Theological piece there, but man, when God shows up, it starts to happen more and more. And so I feel like God's invitation to us today is go down to the basement. You know, furnace is for one purpose, to heat the house. The church is meant to show the glory of God. Are we showing the glory of his presence day to day? And if not, what do we do? If not, what should we do? Now, the great news about this is God's given us some great directions. Even as when I opened that panel of my furnace, I had to dust them off and find the directions, but they were there on how to turn that thing off up without blowing my face off. You know, I was sniffing for gas all the time. I think, please, when I light this, let me not lose my whole head. And God's got similar directions for you and me. Here's how we can light this thing and not blow our faces off. Doesn't that sound good? I don't know. I want you to have fully head. I want people with full heads, Okay. And God's given us these instructions in Joel. Okay, so I want you to turn with me to Joel 2. We're going to get the instructions. When the fire's not quite working, when the pilot lights out, what do we need to do? And please hear the heart of God. I'm going to mention here in a second, but he's a good God. He's not, um, he's not angry with us. He's just given us an invitation today. Okay? Why don't you guys read with me from your seats? Uh, let's, let's read this version that's on the screen. Um, this is Joel 2, 12 to 17. Let's read together. You read out loud with me. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. There's his character. He's good. He's not in a bad mood. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent, And leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. 
Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly, gather the people. Consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Why should the people say, Where's the presence? Where's the fire? They're not going to, because we're going to obey this word. How's that? Amen? (coughs) Okay. God loves you. He loves me. And he wants to show up with more of his fire, power, and glory than ever before. And we're just preparing for Lent here. You know, the, the, uh, the church calendar indicates that this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. And kind of traditionally in the church calendar, Lent is a time that we prepare and we examine our hearts up through Easter. We're so excited about the series that's coming up after this. It's called uh, Entrusted Empowered. Because we want to talk about how you've been entrusted as a son or daughter of the Most High God and empowered by him. And we're going to look with, see what that looks like as we head on towards April 20th. Easter is late this year. It's going to be a wonderful series. But to get ready to prepare ourselves for that, we have today. And God's called to us to look under that furnace. Let's look, get this pilot light lit up. Amen? Okay, Joel 2. So first thing, what are we to do? If we're on board that, hey, there's more of God to be had. If we're on board saying, I need more of God in my church service. I need more of God in my marriage. I need more of God in my singleness. I need more of God in my studies. I need more of God in my work. If you're on board, then what are we to do? Joel 2 says, verse 12 to 14. Let's just look at that one. He says, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, with mourning, and rend your hearts, and not just your garments. Return to the Lord your God, because he's gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Now, when Joel wrote this, About 500 years before Jesus came, Israel was going through a severe famine. And the prophets discerned, hmm, we have nothing. We have so little, we can't even bring an offering to God's house. We don't have a grain offering or a a drink offering here. There's nothing going on. A whole swarm of locusts had gone through and eaten all that was green. Every living thing to be eaten. And that had a domino effect, right? No food. What are the cows doing? The sheep. No food there. So they're keeling over, right? A dismal scene in Israel. And they're saying, gosh, we better seek the Lord. So that's kind of context here. And for us, I'd say also, let's look at at, uh, 12. Let's start in 12. First, it says, even now. Yet even now. What I want to say to us is it doesn't matter where you are. Man, you might be thinking you're the biggest sinner in the world. Or you might be having one of those hot, passionate love kisses with Jesus kind of seasons that you're just on fire for God and you're telling everyone about Jesus. <laughs> That's a reference to Song of Solomon. Um, let, let him kiss me with the kiss of his mouth, all right? I'm biblical. Everyone back off. All right? So I don't know what kind of season you're having with the Lord, but whatever, wherever you think you are, awful, great, just know now's the time to return to him. Amen? Yet even now. What else does it say? It says, return with all your heart. Rend your heart to not your garments, right? Kind of rending the garment. <laughs> You know, it wasn't just, I'm the Hulk when people tore off their clothes those days. It was more like, I'm really sad, I'm really mad, I'm having a strong negative emotion, so I'll rip my clothes. Okay, that's how that went back, back then. 
But God's saying, hey, don't just rend your garments. Rend your heart. Right? Rend your heart. Do you really want God to come? Do you really want him to show up? Because don't you know that people know in your presence if you're really welcoming them or not? How much more does the God of the universe know if you really want him to show up? Most of you know we live in a very community situation here. My family, there's three ladies that live above us. And so, um, you know, sometimes people knock at the door and I don't know who they're coming for. So maybe a couple of weeks ago, Amy Hubert came to our door. And it was really early on a Saturday. I think Kelsey and I just kind of gotten up or whatever. The kids maybe just gotten up. I might be doing my pancake thing. And, you know, knock, knock. I open the door. And, you know, it takes about 0. 0.03 seconds for Amy Hubert to figure out. I'm like, hey, you know, hey. Kind of like, you know, I've communicated. What the heck are you doing here? It's early on a Saturday, right? <laughs> As it turns out, she's meeting with Clara, you know, who lives upstairs. So, oh, okay, come on in, you know. <clears throat> Lesson in contrast, once in a while, from time to time, I'll buy a book on Amazon.com. And don't you know that when the postal truck is like down the street, and I know he's coming and he's got my book, you know, I'm out the door. Here I am. Come on. Right? He knows he's really welcome when he's got the package. Right? When he's got it, I'm good to go. Come on. God knows. He knows whether you really want him to show up in your situation. So you rend your hearts. Not just your garments. You be as sincere as you know to be. And what do we do? We do it with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Neil, don't tell me how to feel. Okay, I'm not going to try to make it too artificial for you. But hey, why, why the fasting? Why the weeping? Why the mourning? Well, I'll tell you something. We have a choice here, church. And I think it's an important choice. We have a choice of whether we want to live seeking the presence of God. Asking for his glory to come, you know, asking for him to move when we ask him to move, ask him to transform us. Or we can just kind of shuffle that under the rug. We can just kind of pretend that God's shown up from time to time. So I choose the former, right? It'd be like we could pretend that the furnace wasn't working in our house. Hey, come on in. We've got our turtlenecks and our hoodies on and we're wrapped in 10 blankets. It's great, isn't it? Wonderful, right? What's the problem, you know? Everyone knows the heat's not working, right? <laughs> and so, but do you know what happens to churches that don't, um, that just kind of sweep under the rug? The fact that maybe God's not in the house, that God's not really transforming people. What happens to churches like that? Yeah, I guess I have a question. Have you heard of the Pharisees? Right? Guys who are really religious. And their main thing is just being right. And that's what I don't want to sweep under the rug. That's why I don't want to sweep under the rug. Lord, you please come. Because we don't need to be just right about our politics. We don't need to be right about the version of the Bible that we use. We don't need to just be right about our church does this, that church does that. We're more right than them. I actually, Jude just read in prayer this morning. He read a quote from E.M. Bounds, a book on prayer. And, and Bounds mentioned that it was in the religious heyday. I mean, Judaism, in re, like in terms of religion, all the prayers, all the rituals, it was in its heyday. And it was that religious heyday that crucified Jesus. I want to light the pilot light again. I don't want to sweep under the rug the fact that we need more of God's presence here, right? 
Are you with me? All right, so that's why we weep, we fast, we mourn. We say, Lord, please, please come. Okay, so that's the first thing we're doing is we're returning to the Lord, right? If you're following along on your purple sheet, we return. Lord, everyone say return. All right, so we return. The second thing we do is we remember. Everyone say remember. And what do we remember? We remember his character. I keep mentioning it because we are so twisted in this area. We have such a bad conception of how good God is. But we remember his character. This is verse 13b. It says, uh, yeah, let's see. 13b? Yes, there he is. Okay, return the Lord your God. Why? Because he's gracious. Everyone say gracious. gracious. He's merciful. Everyone say merciful. merciful. He's slow to anger. Everyone say slow to anger. Slow he's abounding in steadfast love. Say it. Okay, do you believe it? I, I don't know. Sometimes the way you act, you don't. You're like, oh, covered in shame, and woe is me, and life stinks, and God's never going to help me, and blah, blah. All right? Everyone just hold out your hands right now. We're going to pray right now. You guys just repeat after me. Father, show me that you are gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that's his character, right? When my furnace had a problem, I didn't run down there cussing, believe it or not. I didn't run down there cussing. I didn't kick the furnace in the side saying, mm, bah, 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 you know? I just said, furnace, <laughs> it's a little cold upstairs. I love you. <laughs> I said, you're going to be happy, furnace, and I'm going to be happy if you are being the full furnace that you created to be. All right? Amen. Okay? That's God's heart towards you. He's not upset with you. He's not angry at the harbor. I'm not projecting anxiety today, I hope, by faith. Usually people are uptight when they're running a church service. I'm trying not to be uptight. But I'm just saying, man, God is good, and he wants you to... He wants you to be fully happy. He wants us to be fully firing up the thing so the glory of God shows up. And we're walking all that God has for us. Amen? That's why we're seeking. Okay. So remember, we have return. Remember. And let us do the third one, which is request. Everyone say request. Okay. We're going to return to the Lord. We're going to remember his character. And now we're going to request his presence. And we're going to request his presence primarily for its own sake. I know that I've kind of set this whole framework as like, this is not what I'm trying to do, but it could feel like, oh, it's just underperformance, you know, checkup on the church. It's not that. We request his presence primarily for its own sake. Look at verse 14. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent, and watch this, leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Hmm, what's going on there? Who knows whether he will not return and relent, And leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord, your God. In other words, look, isn't it interesting? God, we're saying, God, please come. And what's the first thing he's going to give us? He's going to give us a grain offering, a drink offering. In fact, the very things that they weren't, they weren't even able to worship because they didn't have any of their stuff. Cows were dying. Food was gone. The locusts ate it all. They couldn't even worship. They couldn't have church because they didn't have the stuff needed. But isn't it interesting that when God says, you know, through the prophet, he's saying, who knows if God won't relent? And when he does, what's the first thing he's going to give us? He's going to give them the drink offering, the grain offering. In other words, they'll be able to worship again. So what I'm trying to say here is, one of the main reasons we want his presence is purely, and actually the primary reason, and the number one reason is, we want his presence because it's so dang good. <laughs> okay? His presence, I'm speaking about his manifest presence. I realize he's omnipotent. 
omnipresent, omnipotent, and all that. But when God shows up in the house, when God shows up in your heart, when you get transformed, when people get healed, when they get delivered, when they are fundamentally different because God's shown up, when you walk out of here with joy, when you came in with depression and discouragement, when you walk out with faith, when you came in with your unbelief, when you walk out with love, when you came in with your fear, guess what? That's the kingdom of God coming to earth. That's this coming. Sorry, <laughs> I, just, I, just, um, I just got off my own point. Anyways, so my main point was the glory. We want the glory to come, A, because it's just so dang good, even without that other stuff I'll just mention, right? We want the glory to come because it's so good. It's like this. Can I just kill this analogy into the ground? When I turned on that pilot light. <laughs> okay, so first, all right, here we go. We're going to milk this thing. Milk, milk. All right. When I turned on the pilot light, if you guys have gas, you know, there's those four or five pipes. And so the pilot light starts, then you hear the click and whoo, right? And man, there's a sound. All that gas starts flowing. And I'm looking at the flame. Is it blue? Is it yellow? It's yellow and blue. That's crazy. And also there's a little space between the tube and the fire. You're like, wow, how's this ignited? This is awesome. There's glory, right? There's glory in the furnace. And I'm telling you, there's glory in God's presence. When God visits us, it's wonderful. Amen? God, he wants to come and visit us, even just for the sole purpose of just us enjoying God forever, right? That is our purpose. We're to enjoy him. We're to enjoy his presence. That's why we ask him to do it. Okay. So we're going to return to the Lord. We're going to remember his character while we do it. He's not mad at you. He's happy. And we are going to request his presence. Now, how are we going to do this this week? This is what I'm suggesting for us as we prepare for the uh, Empowered and Trusted series into Easter. We're going to do it by fasting. <laughs> Yay. Okay. That one, that one always gets a huge amen from the crowd, right? And don't worry, I'm going to give you some space to process with the Lord. Lord, what, is it, what does that look like for me? All right, so let, let's keep going. Blow the trumpet in Zion, okay? Blow the trumpet on Woodland Ave. Here we go. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Uh, we're kind of doing that today. It's, anyways, gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. We'll do that at the end. Assemble the elders. Well, here we are. Gather the children, even the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. <laughs> Let's go all the way to 17A. But, uh, actually, so we'll, just, we'll just... Yeah, actually. So between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, spare your people, Lord. Make, your, make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? All right, so we are going to fast. And fasting just means abstaining from food. Okay, everyone get excited about that. All right, <laughs> so in a little bit, I'm going to have us just hear the Lord. Lord, is it a meal? Is it a day? Is it three days? Is it seven days? So we meet next Sunday. There's zero religious pressure coming from me. The only request or the only, the only invitation you're hearing from me is to replace some food with some of this returning, remembering, and requesting. I want you to replace some food this week with some returning to the Lord, with some remembering, or excuse me, yeah, remembering his character. And requesting his presence. That's all. You do that through the word. You do it through Bible study. You can put on your headphones. Listen to worship music. Listen to my last ten great sermons. Thank you, Lord. Okay. <laughs> and there are, yes, there are other ways to fast. And so I encourage you to do that. You know, even, even in the scripture it mentioned, like, let the bridegroom come out. You know, couples, if you need to abstain for a little bit. You're married already, of course. 
and you need to abstain for a little bit, great. Just tell your spouse what you're doing. Don't just say, honey, I have a headache. Say, honey, I'm going to listen to Neil's great sermons or whatever. Okay, but if there are things you want to abstain from, media, etc., let's put that in the etc. column right there, then you do that too, okay? But primarily I'm talking about restraining from food. Please, if you're on medication, do check with your doctor. I don't want to put you in any sort of checkmate. Just make sure that you're, you're good to go if you, need to, if you need to alternate a little bit. But again, this is our way of saying, Lord, we really want your presence more than my French fries, you know? I really do want your presence uh, more than that awesome... I'm on a roll here with um, McDonald's. Then the, um, you know what's back already is the shamrock shake. <laughs> so I want your presence more than the shamrock shake. That's a hard one for me, amen? But remember, God's not mad. We're not earning his favor, okay? I don't, don't want to mess with your theology, but we're just, we're just obeying the scripture, okay? Everyone excited about that? All right. I guarantee if we start to ask for God's presence, watch what's going to roll out in March and April. Watch the presence of God come in a very special way. Now, why do we do it? You know, why? That last section there on your sheet is why. Why are we doing this? And this is where I just love this last verse. Why should the people say among, sorry, why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? That just hits me right here. (coughs) Why should the people of the North Shore say, what's the big deal with these churches? People know when God's in the house because stuff happens. Right? Jesus stuff starts to happen. People get changed. You get happy. Other stuff, good stuff happens. That's the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus taught us to pray, right? Lord, let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Guess what? People know when heaven starts to come to earth, they know it. And so I'm just saying, I don't want it to be that in the North Shore, people say, Great, Beverly got three churches in three years. I don't know if you know that. 07, the harbor. 08, Garden City. 09, Netcast, right? And there's three more in Salem. It's awesome. God's doing a great thing here in the North Shore. And that's just those two communities. There's several others going on. But why should the people say, great, these people rent schools, they take up parking spaces, they drain resources of the community. Where's their God? Is there a God? No. I want the glory of God to show up in our midst. I want the presence of God to show up in our midst because that's what changes things. Amen? Let's return. Let's remember. And let's request. The great thing is, you know, a lot of you are familiar with the passage that comes after this. is Joel 2, 28, 29. And it's quoted in Acts. But it says that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's what we want. We want God to pour out his spirit on us. Amen? And I'm not going to put a limitation on what that looks like, but that's what we want. Okay, amen. I want to give you an opportunity here to respond. Just say, God, you know, you just think about the Rolodex of your schedule or I'm not offended if you pull out your day timer and your uh, iPhone and start to look. Okay, Lord, give me the meal. Give me the day. Give me the 21 days for all you zealots. Then I'm going to fast, okay? I'm not, I don't even sure what I'm doing, so. Okay, uh, so why don't you guys stand? Let's all stand. And I'll invite the worship band back up. <coughs> I got two questions. One is this fasting one. And then I'll give you the second one in a second. So let's just first. So God's normal. Well, okay, he's super normal. But what I'm saying is he, he knows your schedule. He loves you. He's, he's, he's just inviting you into this. Ooh, and I forgot one thing while we're doing this. The other thing I want to say, all you leaders who are here, 
This is a great little illustration in that scripture. All you leaders, if you lead a ministry here, or if you lead, you know, something that's happening between now and next week, I want to invite you. You know, the scripture said, between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests say, and let the priests cry out. In other words, you know, the vestibule is where the priest gets dressed, goes out to the altar, and that's where he does the worship. So the point being, in the midst of doing what you do, just don't do things as normal. Take a moment and cry out to the Lord. So... We're going to do it in staff meeting tomorrow. I'm inviting you faith group leaders, D group leaders. Please take a moment. Don't do what you normally do, but take a moment instead to remember. That was the second one. Request return. Thank you. All right. So return. Request. Sorry, I'm doing so bad right now. Just, all right. Remember. Request. Return. Thank you, better listeners. Okay. All right, so leaders, please lead. Lead your people into God's presence. Lead your people into, let's take a moment to say, Lord, please come. We don't want to do things normal anymore. We want more of your fire, more of your power, more of your presence. So Holy Spirit, just come right now, we pray. And I pray even right now, Holy Spirit, you would speak a non-religious, non-discouraging um, word about invitation to fast today. Lord, work it on people's schedules even right now. Tell them what lunch they might even need to cancel and say, you know what, I need to do this instead this week. I'm so sorry. Or what lunch needs to be changed to, hey, can we seek the Lord together? Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. So if you've got someone you can be glad to go to the house of the Lord with, do it at a lunch, a dinner, a breakfast. Just Holy Spirit, be inviting people to a meal, a day, three-day fast. Everyone, please drink fluids. I forgot to say that part. Only Moses, only Moses could do the 40-day with absolutely nothing. That was supernatural. And Jesus. I, but I think that but he, I think he drank water. It's whatever it's worth. Okay, anyways. We don't play Bible trivia right now. <laughs> anyways, Lord, thank you. Um, so, yeah, Lord, <laughs> we thank you for fluids. And um, teach us to fast. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for your coming glory. Thank you. We want to be a church where people know that God's in the house because he shows up in powerful ways, wonderful ways, loving ways, and safe ways. God, you're so safe. Just thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now I want us to, you know, it talks about consecrating ourselves. And so my invitation is we're going to sing a song here. And the chorus is, Lord, I need you. And I think that really is my question for you. Is do you really need him? in your marriage? Do you need him in your singleness? Do you need him in your home? Do you want him in the church? Do you want him in your job? Do you want him to show up when you're on the train? Do you want him? Do you need him? If so, I'm just going to invite you. Would you mind kind of crowding the stage? Okay. Would you please come to the side? See, I'm just saying, please come out of your seat and say, Lord, yes, I need you. You coming out of your seat is just a way of saying, yes, I need you. So please come. Also, we have Beth and Elizabeth. Why don't you guys, two, two Elizabeths, come up here. Why don't you guys just stand up here. Elizabeth and Beth, they're going to pray. If you're here and you have a need for physical healing, please don't leave the church without giving God a chance to, to visit you, right? God does stuff. I don't know why he does sometimes and doesn't other times. Let's give him a chance, amen? So, hey, you come and you get prayer from these guys. But again, I invite you. Do you need him? Come on up. Come to the sides. Come to the front. Just come. I just, I just want you to move forward towards God and say, Lord, I really do need you today. And I want you to show up.
Amen. You come. Come forward. Just come, come. We're just saying together as a church, Lord, we consecrate ourselves to you. We want more of you. We want more of your purposes. We want more of your glory. Come, Lord, we pray. Come, come, come.